0: G'day, you're listening to Shaw Walker on Reports, a podcast about creating better public reports. We talk with experts about how to create these documents that explain complex issues to a wide audience. You may be in government, in a non-government organisation or in a business, but if you create public reports, this podcast may be for you. The podcast comes from Australian editorial consulting firm Shawwalker DMS, which helps organisations to make reports better. This episode of the Shawwalker Reports podcast looks at a foundational question. Why do we bother to create public reports at all? In this episode, we mostly talk about policy reports. These reports assemble facts and evidence to help readers understand complex issues and to form a response. They might be on a narrow field, like, say, how to make a particular defence purchase or how to change some educational qualification. Or they might be very broad, looking at issues like reform of Australia's entire tax system. They might aim to be neutral, taking no specific position on an issue, or they might aim to persuade readers in a particular direction. Let's start by addressing the elephant in the room. Not every report really gets written to help the public or to make government work better. Many reports do get written to deepen public understanding of tough issues, but some reports get written for other reasons. Saul so is knows this, he's a consulting economist, he's well known in Australia, He's been Chief Economist for finance groups such as the ANZ Bank and now he's an expert advisor to organisations including the Federal Parliamentary Budget Office. Back in the 1990s, he led the writing of a landmark report into Victoria's government finances and management. Here's Saul Aslake.
1: In the British sitcom Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister Sir Humphrey Appleby, the senior public servant, would routinely advise Jim Hacker as Minister for Administrative Affairs and subsequently Prime Minister that you never call an inquiry until you know what it's going to say.
2: I'm going to raise this No, Minister, I beg you. A basic rule of government is never look into anything you don't have to. And never set up an inquiry unless you know in advance what its findings will be.
1: And there are often reports commissioned by government with terms of reference that make it very clear what the inquiry is expected to find or to recommend, and um, usually staffed by people whom the government can trust to give it the answers that it wants to hear.
0: Saul Eslake has a list of these examples.
1: Another example was the inquiry, which is still afoot, by the House of Representatives Standing Committee on Revenue into housing affordability and home ownership, which has been given terms of reference that clearly indicate that it is meant to find that The main reason for deteriorating housing affordability and declining home ownership is a want of housing supply. And, oh dear, that's mainly a state and local government responsibility, so there's not much the Commonwealth can do about it.
0: So that's a dark side of public reports. But there's also a brighter side, where reports really do help people to understand what's going on.
1: There can be other occasions when a report is commissioned with a genuine intention of finding out facts. And when it's in response to um, a disaster or a scandal, uh, usually to come up with recommendations that will prevent the same sort of circumstances from happening again. And royal commissions that have been called into bushfires, for example, by state governments are good examples of that as are the royal commission into uh, responses to institutional child sexual abuse and more recently into the aged care and disability care systems i think those are inquiries that uh, perhaps under enormous public pressure to do so have given those inquiries pretty wide latitude to establish facts which are not generally known in advance or at least not widely agreed about in advance and to come up with recommendations that may well be challenging for governments as to how to prevent those mistakes or those errors from being implemented. So a lot comes down to what the government of the day is seeking to achieve and how much pressure it is under when it decides to commission the writing of uh, the the carrying out of an investigation and the writing of a subsequent report.
0: Like Saul Lurslake, Gary Banks is an economist by training and a prominent one. For 15 years up to 2012, he ran Australia's Productivity Commission. The commission is a significant independent advisor to Australia's federal government on economic, social and environmental issues, and it uses public reports to deliver most of that advice. Governments don't always follow those public reports, of course, but Australian policymakers do take them seriously. Gary Banks argues that if reports are done right, they're an important element of the public policy process. Indeed, he says they may be more important than ever, partly because they can confer credibility and trust in an era when many people think government is, well, a bit sus. There's probably less trust,
3: less acceptance uh, uh, of governments than there used to be. Um, I mean, when they do surveys of trust in different um, institutions, you know, politicians don't rate highly, generally. So I think if a politician says, I think this this is the best way to go, trust me, it's, it's less likely to get currency and, and have an effect and influence than if he or she says... A report has been done by this eminent institution or person, which I'm going to adopt because I think it makes sense and and gives the arguments from that. So I think people, uh, even though experts themselves have come into fire a little bit, I think if a study has been well done, um, particularly if it's a study that's involved public engagement and so on and had a draft report, then... A government is better able to I think prosecute a reform agenda or a policy agenda than if they don't have something like that to use. You need to engage with the public uh, to understand all the dimensions of the problem and the pros and cons of different solutions. Public reports are particularly important I think when there's a contentious issue right because you'll have the, the politics will be tougher getting a preferred policy option through by definition will be harder so the more that the public has been brought along with the process of, of reaching a policy conclusion and recommendation the better and so I think um, I think you know that's that's a very important reason for having a public report uh, in a sense to bring people along and get get a bit more of a meeting of minds than might otherwise have mm. occurred. A second part of the answer to that question, uh, you know, relates to the fact that, you know, undertaking a, a, a public report of various kinds, a public study, can be quite expensive, can be time-consuming, can demand quite a lot of the participants. And so you don't want to do it for things that aren't significant. You, you want to do it for things that are ideally not only contentious, but quite complex and, and where that kind of engagement and process, um, you know, will have a big payoff. Uh, or put it the other way, if you got if you got the wrong answer, you'd find that um, the costs were quite high. So unfortunately, you know, we've seen over time, you know, policy decisions made without that kind of process, which prove the point, you know, that they have involved costs. Sometimes they've had to be... They're, they're policies that have had to be withdrawn after a short period of time. Mm. I mean, you think about, for example, the the export ban on live cattle to Indonesia, right? which happened after a four-quarters program. So within two days of that program or within three days, a decision was made to ban live cattle exports to Indonesia because it looked like they were being maltreated uh, in the abattoirs in Indonesia. Um, that had to be reversed. And that wasn't based on anything other than the sentiment, really. Um, in the sense that it would be good politics, but the costs were very high. And in the end, they had to come to another way of dealing with the problem. So I think, uh, yeah, I I think the more significant the the issue, uh, the more contentious, the more important it is to have that kind of, you know, systematic approach.
0: So... Gary Banks values public reports on government policy because reports examine an issue systematically and because they present ideas that have broad community respect. Nicholas Gruen is another economist who has served on the Productivity Commission. He has also worked for senior Australian Federal Government Ministers in the Hawke and Keating Governments. He chaired the 2009 Web 2.0 Task Force and he now runs an economics consultancy called Lateral Economics. In those roles and others, he has helped to write quite a few reports. He's also one of Australia's best-known innovation experts. Like Gary Banks, Nick Gruen wants reports to reflect community aspirations and concerns. But Nick Gruen also emphasises something else. Reports can present ideas that may not command strong support on day one, but whose ideas will become more important over time grew points to the attitude of the economist Friedrich Hayek, which Hayek expressed in a 1947 speech. Hayek's formula was this. You should set out the evidence for ideas that seem right today, but you should also remember that those ideas may become more popular in the years ahead. That worked for Hayek. He was a fringe figure in 1947, but 27 years later he won a Nobel Prize. Here's Nick Gruen talking about Friedrich Hayek's influence. He
4: said, we must not constrain our vision to what we can immediately sell to uh, a politician. So uh, we must try to influence the thinking of the second hand peddlers of ideas. and so that is what a good report will do. It will, it, it, or rather, I mean, a good report that, that may not be in a position to even want to try and do that. It might be a very specific thing. How do we fix this particular problem? Airpoint noise or whatever it is. But the, the reports that matter, that do big work, are reports that express themselves, find a way to look at a complex subject in a simple way that that will stand on the shelf for five or ten years and that people will find themselves coming back to. Uh, so so don't if if people start harassing you and saying, well, the government simply won't accept that, that's fine. That's something to think about. That means that you might not want to serve up a recommendation which they feel, a concrete recommendation, which they feel obliged to reject. Uh, But you need to stick with the analysis. You need to stick with putting the case, explaining its importance, and then you might start thinking about, well, let's fantasize about a decision maker in that position that we're writing for who really wants to go in this direction, but can't do it immediately. What would they like to see from us? Uh, would they like to see options? Yes, they would. That, that, that's a, that was a perennial chestnut in the Productivity Commission. If we provide options, then we give these uh, politicians easy ways out. Uh, well, yes, uh, wakey wakey, you're not that powerful. As the Productivity Commission, you're making, you're offering advice. So try to be helpful. Try to be helpful to the people who want to do things. Keep the arguments as clear as you can. And then, um, as far as recommendations are concerned, you are probably not the expert about how ambitiously and how speedily a particular agenda should be pursued, Uh, but you are trying to say, this is the agenda, Uh, and I'm speaking just a few days after a new Labor government has been elected, and it's times like that, that new things become possible, um, but they don't necessarily, it's unlikely that they suddenly, that we suddenly, uh, that that it's suddenly possible to move very fast in a direction other than the one we were going. So there are, you trying to remain alive to possibilities, but not necessarily short-term possibilities.
0: So, Nick Gruen argues that reports have a life beyond the moment when a government minister gets handed their findings. The economics journalist Peter Martin makes this argument too. Martin is a former Commonwealth Treasury official. He has reported on economics for both the ABC and the Age newspaper. He's now business and economy editor of the Conversation website. Here's Peter Martin talking about the effect of the Asbury Review of Taxation. It published its report in 1975, but had most of its effect a full decade later.
2: Reports are not wasted if they're not acted on. Uh, The uh, famous was uh, the tax review that preceded the uh, Henry tax review, preceded it by twenty or so years and uh... it made a lot of recommendations that were ignored at the time these were recommendations for a capital gains tax for instance these were recommendations for a fringe benefits tax eventually someone it was a it was treasurer Paul Keating in the nineteen eighties eventually someone got out that old report got the treasury to sort of have another look at it produced their their draft white paper and, um, and introduced them. Um, the uh, various climate change reports, even if ignored, they can be used, particularly now things are on the internet. You'd be surprised at how much at a later date um, people sort of go to them. If, if it's a good report, if it covers things and sort of synthesises something, it's the same as the Henry Tax Review itself. A lot of that wasn't acted on. People can go back to it years later. We had a retirement income review. We had a banking royal commission. Not all of those recommendations were acted on at the time, but they're still a useful document. Even if something doesn't get into the media at the time, if you push it in front of the right people, um, it's there. The provision of things on the Internet and the fact that they stay there forever has meant there actually is a way of settling arguments um, that there wasn't uh, before. So I think on balance, while people use it to go backwards and forwards, it can often settle arguments. The provision of reports on the internet has also made life much easier for the media because it means you can do research without leaving your seat or without picking up the phone. Um, uh, and that's good.
0: So reports will sometimes influence all sorts of people for a long time. If you're helping to write a report, this is important history to know what goes into the report may have a life beyond the enthusiasm of this month or this year, or indeed this decade, and that should often influence how you write your report. How much it should influence your report will depend on both the subject matter and the immediate environment. Groups like the Asprey Committee wrote far-sighted, big-picture reports, and they did so in part because they were given a licence to do so by the politicians who ordered those reports up. Gary Banks makes an important point when he says that, where possible, reports should bring their audience along with them. The point that people like Peter Martin and Nick Gruen are making is a little different. The most influential reports have spoken not just to today's audience, but to the future audience as well. This has been the Shaw Walker Reports podcast, a podcast about creating better public reports. Shaw Walker DMS helps businesses and governments to shape and edit your economic, social, business technical and scientific content so that it better persuades today's critical audiences. We're on the web at shorewalker.net. that's S-H-O-R-E-W-A-L-K-E-R.net, or call us on 3